Hello, everybody. Tim Foslu here, your host of the Broco.life podcast, and welcome to episode 10 with Annie Kendall from Hello Mojo. In this episode, we chat to Annie about her life story and how she ended up creating the brand Hello Mojo, and more specifically around the Hello Mojo app, which lets you sort of understand it or sort of collate all the information when it gets to getting a divorce, but also, also more importantly, keeping all the track of all the information and all the records what happens if you are in a custody battle or something along those lines so that you do have a centralized resource that's really, really easy to collate the information. And very importantly, if you do end up in court, it will be a quick and easy way to document all the information that you need. We also chat a bit uh, on a more uplifting note about the Hello Mojo magazine and how Annie's working with uh, people around the world, including Reese Witherspoon, to collaborate and create a positive outtake on, on a bad situation generally that is divorce. Thanks as always for all the likes, comments, feedbacks, and keep them coming and subscribe and shed the word because it feels like once again from the side, the movement's really growing. Thank you so much again to Annie for joining me on the podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Strap in, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brocode.life podcast, number 10, 10 out of 10. And awesome. today we're joined by Annie Kendall from Hello Mojo. Annie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Clint. This is awesome. I'm really, really pleased to be part of this. Brilliant. So we've made it to double digits. Um, lucky 10 for some, I think. Um, how's uh, how's your day going? A bit warmer down on the, on the beach than up on the hills where it you live? It is. It is. It was very cold this morning, so... <laughs> <laughs> rugged up and ready to go so always uh, a lot of a lot of good friends of mine know how i live so when i when i say it's cold they just shake their head because it's you know it's uh what from a fahrenheit point of view it gets sort of like below 80 and i'm freezing so right anyway so as always on the podcast um before we get into your story and hello mojo and obviously all the great things you're doing there i just like to get an understanding of where you're from where you where you sort of grew up um your life journey and and how you sort of ended up where you are today Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, Queenslander through and through. I grew up in Brisbane. Uh, on From there, I studied in Brisbane as well at university yep. and took a year to go around Europe when I uh, was 19. So probably a little bit before everyone else tends to head off overseas. So slowing back a bit. So I know you're a very outdoors person now when you were a kid also loved the outdoors growing up loved it loved yeah. it i grew up on a small property um on the west side of brisbane and uh, horses um every type of uh, poultry you could think of yeah. and um <laughs> uh, yeah always out west camping and visiting relatives and yeah love the outdoors brilliant yeah, we didn't get to the beach as much as i would have liked to but uh, we we're much more of a country family brilliant and yeah. and when you took that year off to travel uh was that the gap year or no, it was uh, it was after university. Not, how, when yeah. did you go into uni then? Well, I went when I was eighteen, but I took a year off in university and went over. Oh, okay. So you yeah. started uni, then took a year off, and then went yeah. back to uni. Yeah. Okay. And what did you study when you were at uni? I was doing sport and tourism management. Okay. Yes. Down in Brizzy as well. Down in Brizzy, yeah. Okay. So let's yeah. talk about your trip. Okay. Where did you go? Everywhere. <laughs> I did one of those crazy Kentucky tours okay. as part of it. Um, <laughs> I think a far too long one as well. It was about 46 days. So it took us all around right across to the east side of um, 
Europe as well. So Romania, Bulgaria, all those exciting countries. And I went down into Africa and did Egypt. Brilliant. So I got to do the All part of that Contiki trip. As part of that, yeah. And then back to England and that's where I worked for a while and I travelled and went and hitchhiked through through Ireland and had a ball. So you did the London thing as well? Did the London thing. I did, yes. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, like I was saying, I was probably a little bit younger because I'd not waited till the end of university to go. Yeah. It was that older crowd, really, of expats that were over there at the time. And did um, you stay down the district line as well with the rest of the South Africans, Aussies and Kiwis? No. I I nannied for a while right out um, sort of in the northwest corner. Okay. I think it was the Jubilee line from memory. Um, was that where they did that? I can't remember, man. Yeah. There was, was the a... black line that went up, I think, wasn't it? I can't, I can't, I, I can't remember now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I nannied on this gorgeous estate. So oh, brilliant. It was one of those beautiful old English homes with horses and a, you know, stables. It was lovely. So it was mainly Europe-based. Did you get anywhere else in, during that year? Uh, not during that year, no. Just through the UK, Ireland, yeah. um, Scotland. Yeah, and then and all of Europe. Brilliant. Get to. And then when you came back home, did you back into the same course or did your, your perspective of life changed? Back into the same course, but then I missed working as well. So I started working um, for my parents' company actually at the time, um, doing some sales and marketing work uh, until that, that business was bought out and I transferred with a new company that bought it down to Sydney. Um, so my life sort of shifted to Sydney for about four years. And what was that company? It was a big industrial laundry, believe it or not. Okay. So it wasn't a glamorous glamorous type of industry, but it was an exciting one to be in to get exposure and travel and, um, yeah. So focused on hotels specifically or hospitals? Lots of or? things. Well, uh, yeah, my, my dad particularly was quite entrepreneurial at the time and this is a whole other story that we could go into, <laughs> which might take forever. Um, but he was quite um, uh, focused on the environment and making sure things were done um, recyclable, you know, recycling yep. things. Uh, so when he was working uh, for a big engineering firm at one stage, he saw that they were buying in these big char- bags of charity rag mm-hmm. um, that were scratching machinery when they'd use the pieces of cloth to clean things. So he decided to import um, cloth from China uh, and cut it into very similar sizes and have people um, buy that in but recycle it for them. Um, so anyone from mechanics to the printing industry to car detailers. Um, wow. and it, yeah, That's a way ahead of its time, though. It eh? was. So that was, yeah, early, mid, mid-70s mid maybe, mid-70s. Crazy. And uh, yeah, 30, 30 years later, the business was still going. And Just looking after the planet wasn't a thing back then. It was, yeah. That's so, awesome. Okay, yeah. so, so you ended up in Sydney with that. Yep, and then I uh, moved from that into... Uh, schools, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And I worked in business development with schools. Um, so sort of middle person in between parents and teachers and, and staff. Um, Assuming the private, the private schools? It was private schools <laughs> yeah. on the North Shore. Lived in Manly at the time, which was awesome. Um, We've so just was, been speaking about that. We have, yeah. That's for those for the off camera, that's actually where I was going to emigrate, but I ended oh. up here. But anyway. At that time, like sort of being around that early 20s, being in Sydney at that time yeah. was incredible and uh you're driving from the northern north shore down to to manly every afternoon was like going on a holiday so you can't complain nope no so i rode with mossman rowers and 
and just lived the Sydney life for a while, which was awesome. Brilliant. And then, then where did life take you? Uh, I followed a fellow over to Hong Kong. Uh, so my life then moved to Asia. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. But an Australian guy? It was an Aussie guy, Who yeah. you met in Sydney? I had. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, were in Hong Kong. Um, so the relationship didn't work, but I loved the energy and the vibe of Hong Kong. So stayed. Um, yeah, and, and just networked and met people and taught some English. Uh, and then through networking through the Australian Association and different groups, got into um, the Australian International School doing a similar role in terms of business um, development for that school. So I was Director of Development there at the Australian International School, um, but always had this passion for property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it led, sort of was from um, my parents who did a big development in Brisbane that I was quite involved in in younger years. Um, yeah, and so networked and met some people and got involved in a big corporate real estate firm in Hong Kong uh, and ended up um, leasing and selling the, the commercial real estate in Hong Kong, uh, and particularly looking after American firms that would move over to Asia and There must be up. some nice high roller stories out of those days. There are, I won't go into them. <laughs> very, very, very glamorous and exciting stories. Yeah. No, no helicopter rides, but uh, yeah, some, some great times. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've, as I said, I've never been to Hong Kong, but I know a lot of people who've lived that expat lifestyle. I know quite a few people in Singapore who mm. did that as well, and it's it's pretty pretty large, um, especially in probably in those days. What late nineties, I'm assuming, more or less timelines, or where are we now? Yeah, early two thousand. Early two thousand. So yeah, guys were still living pretty large. Yes, they were. Um, so it was. I was there just after SARS, through to through the you know the yep. GFC. Um, and in that time, I moved and started working with a smaller group who are now quite a large group. And I transferred to Singapore um, and set up the South Asian offices for that group in property. Um, and we were looking after high net worth um, yep. investors that would invest in real estate all over the world. And how did you find living in Singapore? Uh, very different to Hong Kong mm-hmm. in that it's probably a bit more family orientated um, and spacious, spread out. Um, you do travel more than five minutes, like in Hong Kong, to find exciting life. Did you just call life? Singapore spacious? <laughs> so I know confused. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm um, yeah, comparing it with Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, yeah. But yeah, a bit, you know, sterile. But it was, look, it was awesome. It was a great place. We got on planes probably like we'd get in a car here yeah. and go to, you know, um, Thailand and Bali and lots of great places for the weekend. But Yes, an exciting time of life, but I did meet um, my husband in Singapore. Um, he's an Aussie, and uh, then we, uh, yeah, started a family in Singapore as well. Brilliant. Um, and, and then your, your life changed. I mean, and, and hence why you're here today, and obviously the whole Hello Mojo thing. And um, so, from my understanding, you went on a trip back here to Australia and went back to Singapore, and then. Yeah, so I, you know, I was living this awesome life. I thought I had a great husband. I just given birth to my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. So I had a almost one-year-old son and and a be- beautiful little baby girl. So um, how, how, how? She was two months old. At the so time. the age difference between your two kids uh, are? About t- 19, 20 months. Okay. Mm. I did a 13 months. Yes. Yeah, so I can understand. Wow. The, the, the <laughs> wow. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, one jumping off the walls um, yep. and the other requiring your assistance every five seconds. Um, yeah, and I, I came home to Australia 
uh, on a bit of a show and tell with the new the new Baba. Um, and when I returned, yeah, life was very different. I sort of realised in an instant my marriage was over. Yep. Um, which floored me, and yeah, it sort of set off a chain of events of fear and disbelief and when am I going to wake up from this nightmare? Um, but all in all, I ended up relocating back to Australia, mm -hmm. uh, which then set off another chain of events. Um, me thinking, number one, that I will wake up from this nightmare and everything will be fine and dandy. Um, but also because I had relocated from an overseas location, there was this whole Hague Convention situation, which also erupted, which, yep. yeah, it's not, not that nice if you're in the position of it. No. So for those just, just who don't know, the Hague Convention's a treaty between, I think, majority of countries mm. just from a child smuggling perspective or custody yeah. or? You know, yeah, it's it's more to do with habitual residence. So um, that would be where the child is domiciled at the time of removal. Um, okay. So, um, and usually there's like three months, don't quote me on that, but it's around three months of being living in a specific place, which becomes your residence. So it's nothing to do with so it's nothing to do with owning property or anything. It's no, just it's nothing okay. to do with like best interests of the children or any of that, which yep. is normal family court situations. Um, it's more to do with where are the children living at the time they were removed. Yep. Um, and, and how long had you been in Singapore? Were both your kids born there or? Yes, they're both born okay. there and would be in there for six years. Okay, so, you, so, so it was a... It was their habitual residence. Um, yeah, and at the time I relocated, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking it would be permanent or anything like that. Um but yeah, it was one of those things that just you have to. Yeah. So looking back, which, which I hate doing, but at mm. the time it was just, you know, you, I, I'm assuming your theory was come back, yeah, regroup, let things sort itself yeah. out, and then yeah. And and I had I actually had no idea of the Hague Convention when I relocated back here. <laughs> All I wanted was my mum. Yeah. I just I had a two month old baby and a one year one and a half, nearly two year old son, and I just wanted my mum. Like that was all I thought about. Mm. Um, and everything else came. Yeah. And your parents were they up on the Sunshine Coast at that stage or they're still in Brisbane? They were up on the Sunshine so up, Coast, okay. yeah. So I had some family up on the Sunshine Coast area and, uh, yeah, that was just – I'm very blessed that I've got a wonderful family and um, I just fitted in with what they were doing and they, they supported me very well. Magic. Mm. So from a divorce perspective, when that started happening, mm. um, obviously the, the Hello Mojo app and all the documentation – is is you know your inspiration yeah just your early thoughts uh, i know you alluded to off camera about that first meeting with an attorney of, yeah. of where when when that chain of events began where you realized how unprepared you were in a way mm. see so when i originally moved home and i say moved home i just i should say just came home because i wasn't necessarily thinking i was moving home i'd been in asia for 11 12 years and I just arrived with a baby and a one-year-old and a small bag of clothes. Like I wasn't going to be relocating at that point in time. Um, and I was very much in the mindset of like, how do I make this work? And how am I going to get my husband to come back and join the family and all those sorts of things. So it wasn't until a couple of weeks, even maybe a month after I was back that someone said to me, like, you need to go and get some legal advice around this in case things don't work out the way you're hoping. Um, so I was feeling super vulnerable and uh, she was listing off all these things that I needed to have, which I knew were on a computer in Singapore. Um, anyway, at the end of the meeting, I walked out with this list of things that I needed to collect and, and paid her five or $600 for the 
for the pleasure of it all um, and felt leaving completely fearful that I had, you know, made this massive mistake leaving mm -hmm. Asia and was going to be in this huge kerfuffle with the Hague Convention. And was that the first time the Hague Convention was correct. mentioned to you? Okay. Correct. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I, I went home and I thought, like, I can't believe I've just had to pay that much money for documents that I already have, but technically I don't have access to them at the moment. But why, why is there not a place to be able to look this up and quickly provide, you know, collect them and take them on your first meeting to a lawyer? Yep. So that's, that was sort of my first experience with a lawyer, which turned what was already a fearful situation into like something that was catastrophic um, and sent me down this spiral of bad thought and negative thoughts. And I, I think particularly because I knew suddenly how expensive this process was going to be. And I didn't have any access to anything. I'd yep. left all my banking tokens in Singapore and everything was out of my control at that point in time. Wow. Yeah. But I, I also, from my personal experience, remember the overwhelm of trying to research it on the internet, mm. trying to find, and it's just, you know, you got five different websites of different attorneys and it's just overwhelm, right? Yeah. You just, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that's right. You know, like a lot of people say it's not, it's, there's not an easy spot to grab it, but actually there's just so much of it there. You know, and a lot of the people that are providing it are doing it for their own benefit. Um, there's not an independent source out there, so to speak. And, you know, the interesting thing was because I, you know, have always been in a position where I've earned money and I've never gone for government support or anything like that, it didn't even occur to me to, like, call someone like Relationships Australia or, you know, one of those free mm. helplines that probably could have supported me. It was immediately, like my position, I've got to protect my children, my finances, I need to go and see a lawyer because that's just Conditioning, what would yeah. happen. Yeah. 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 So that was um, something that we, I didn't even consider that probably I should have done and might have been that independent source to, to do that at that point in time. The joys of hindsight, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so just something that I'm, with the kids domiciled in The Hague and, and, and obviously the story ended in a divorce, mm. Ooh, how, how did that work from an asset perspective? Because... I know Megan, who I had on the podcast before yours, they were domiciled in London, but they filed for divorce in Australia. And mm. hence there was a huge issue with the asset split. Mm. How did, I mean, share as much as you want, but how did that actually work being Australians domiciled in Singapore getting divorced? Yeah, look, from my understanding, um, where you apply for divorce, like you can keep the jurisdiction in your control. So, um, you know, there were, there were pros and cons to doing it both places. Um, you know, like, I don't know, I think particularly in Singapore, like if we'd applied there, I could have got a spousal support that, you know, you've paid, you know, a wage or a support amount to keep you living the type of lifestyle that you were living. Um, but that then loses control out of the Australian jurisdiction. And because at that point in time, and with what I think we'd probably pass the Hague Convention time frame by that, so they've got a year with the Hague Convention, to apply for that, um, I had made a choice to apply in Australia and keep the jurisdiction in, in control where I was domiciled. Um, so in terms of the asset split, um, the assets were actually in Australia. Yeah, okay. so, so that worked quite well. And did you ever go back to Singapore at some stage to retrieve your stuff or how did that work? I haven't. I've not been back to Singapore. That's and so crazy. that was, I know, I know because like in an instant, you sort of, we made the decision that I'd come back with the children, yeah. um, whether that be for a short or a longer time. Um, but that, 
yeah, I, I didn't even say goodbye to some people. <laughs> so it was a real like yeah. leaving friends, leaving career, leaving everything overnight pretty much. Um, yeah, haven't been back to Singapore. Crazy. Okay, so so obviously there's what I refer to as a missing gap, right? You, you, you came from an entrepreneurial background. Mm. You were in a predicament where there's where obviously why I'm sitting here today as well, you know, obviously there's a need out there for yeah. less information. Um, when did the Hello Mojo app, um, which which I want you to A, introduce it, but B, when yeah. was the light bulb moment where like, shit, there's actually something, there's A, a gap in the market and B, people need this. Yeah. When did that all start? Uh, so I moved back to Australia in uh, 2013, August. I think it was October 2014. Okay. Uh, where sort of I was through the first year and I was sitting in my bed one night and as I did every night, like everything was rattling around in my brain, all of the events of the day and feeling fearful about what was going to happen tomorrow and what could have happened because of what was said today or um, it was just a continual stream of ups and downs and an emotional roller coaster. And my head was never clear. Like there was always stories on replay in my head. And I, I sat there and I was thinking, like there has to be a better way to help people document information. And at the time, I was selfishly just thinking about myself. Um, you know, how can I systemate this or automate it so that um, everything is streamlined and I can get um, everything I need down? Every day I was documenting how everyone was feeling, like from like, are any of the children sick? You know, um, where have they been today? Have they gone to school or kindy? Um, and then all the phone calls from lawyers and documents received and emails back and forward to, to the ex. Uh, any phone calls. I had, you know, an iPad that I was pressing record on to tape a phone call and loudspeaker. Like, I was just continually trying to document things because a, a lawyer had given me advice, just document everything. I had no idea how to do it, but I was trying to collate everything. Yeah. Um, so I had some things on a Word document on my computer. I had some things in a hard copy diary. Uh, and then every time I'd go to the lawyer and that asked me to present information, I'd, I'd be going in with armfuls of documents um, on multiple different platforms. Um, yeah, so I just sat there and I documented out everything that I had been documenting uh, and realised that there just needs to be one simple platform to be able to do that and, yeah, streamline it so that it's simple and easy and it's also can be done at the point in time exactly. where information is received. Yes. Um, I felt I was always giving my children to my parents because I'd get two days down the track and think, oh, I'm so behind, I need to do this. And it would take me ages. And I'd sit there every night thinking about these negative thoughts and never actually clearing my head and having the emotional headspace to think about the next steps and moving forward. I was always being yeah. dragged back into my past and particularly um, stories that I'd, you know, events that I would document at nighttime from the day like that change because I'd attach all this emotion to them and they'd re have replayed in my head so many times that I'd put my little spin on it and uh, yeah, it just it was so that, so <laughs> whether you, it was relevant by the end of the day or not, I don't know. So you looked more efficient. I mean, I was obviously told to document everything as well, mm. right? And uh, and as I said to you, like it's it's something that for me personally, documenting the bad shit, it's just not good energy. Mm. And my strategy was a bit of the ostrich right so i just filed 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 mm. but in the incident where you have to end up in a family court and you have to go back through your mm. journey yeah it's traumatic right whereas 
what I love about the app, and I also want you to chat, you know, about where the app is now after this, is that if you get that shitty email or text or something that triggers you, you can file it away, know it's there, and then park it and then get on with your day. Rather than, as you said, you know, let that stuff stew inside you all day. Yeah, absolutely. And to and me, it, that's that's awesome. You know, at the end of every day, what bothered me more, I think, like, was thinking about, back about the day and trying to remember how many times I'd been present with the kids mm. and, it, like, really been present without the thoughts of other things circling in my head or getting being triggered in my interactions with the kids because I was, you know, in another place in my mind. That really bothered me, um, particularly as it's such young kids. Um, and you become very resentful of that after a while. Yeah. As no, well. that... So being able to put it down on paper and not have those 300 replays of the same event in your head, it's priceless. And as you said, attach certain emotions to it, right? Just pocket done. Mm. Yeah. So where, where is the Hello Mojo app today? Let's, so, so just people know what we're talking about. Mm, awesome. So, yeah, the app is on the App Store and on Google Play. Um, and I think we're talking about which countries. So it's through Australia, the US and the UK at mm -hmm. the moment. And we can talk about why in a minute. But um, really the app was created to um, solve two problems. The first was that initial um, collation of data and information that you need um, to always have on hand to present your situation, um, whether it be that you're in a difficult relationship and you're wanting to slowly start collating information that would help you to create a plan to leave a relationship or you found yourself in a situation like me feeling vulnerable you didn't know it was coming um, and being able to document everything and anything from assets and debts to insurance policies to banking information to what cars and boats or whatever you may have um, so that part and that alone would save people that initial six hundred yeah yeah going to a lawyer and saying Hey, what do we need to document? And they give you instant coffee as well for six fifty an yeah. hour. <laughs> Shit, you got a barista yeah, for yes. that price. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second part of the app is helping you reclaim, you know, your power around your mindset and your emotional space um, by documenting everything and anything that happens um, to you through the process. So um, emails that come in, face-to-face um, -face conversations you have, social media messages that come in. Um, there is a function which is coming um, where you can actually call through the app and it records the phone call as well and you store that. So any information put into the app is um, chronologically stored and tagged. So um, you might tag it about um, children visitations or custody information or settlement discussions, domestic violence, you know, whatever. You can tag as per your own situation. So if and when at any point in time you need to provide information to a lawyer or a mediator or a professional, um, you can just filter a search on the app by a specific subject, export it, and you've got your list of every piece of evidence and communication that happened. Um, and, and that's because, you know, in a, in a court as, I mean, I've been to family court and they don't care about emotive, right? It's, it's, no. it's facts. Well, that's right. It's yeah. just facts and it's when, where, you know, and I, I mean, especially if you if you if you're looking, you know, I know a lot of people struggle with the, the child support, you know, percentage mm -hmm. numbers and 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 you know the advice I was given once again is keep a spreadsheet every night. Your kids are with you, they weren't with you, or changes in the plan because you you've got yes. But it's 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 a habit you don't get into because mm. it's, it's. But if it's you know there, it's just so simple. Yeah, and look, there there are platforms out there to manage. Um, 
custody yeah. and um, expenses and things like that. Um, the the difference with Hello Mojo app is that this is a private um, platform just for you. Mm. Um, down the track, it can integrate with lawyers, but it's not a shared platform. Um, it is your own private yeah. insurance policy should you ever need to, to use it. Let's cover data privacy while we're on that. Absolutely. So off you go. Why are you, <laughs> why are you in the regions you are and where your data is stored? Well, this app, I pretty much use my settlement check to create the beginning stages of this app and we've had investments since, which is awesome. Um, but I created the app to solve my problem because I wanted to put my information in a, in a platform that would keep my family and my finances and me in a very protected position. Um, you know, I, I like, like most people, you know, I've always questioned where does the information go when it's on the cloud? Um, you know, so I, I did a lot of research into that and I have spent a lot of money on privacy and on security for the app. Um, ice cubes. My ice machine, it goes off during every awesome. podcast. It's, it's, it's just one of the things people yeah. think I drink a lot of ice. Anyway, off you go, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we... <laughs> So I have, uh, yeah, done, did my research. I've ended up going with um, Microsoft Azure. Mm -hmm. So they are trusted by 90% of the Fortune 500 companies. Um, and in terms, of, now we're filling up again. Filling up more ice, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Ready for your gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the other thing with the app is that because, I mean, it is a productivity platform, but uh, because people will be using this information potentially in, in um, court cases, um, everyone's information. So if you're in Australia and using the app, your information is stored through Microsoft Azure on servers in Australia, the US on US servers, the UK, for example, which is why we're only in three markets to start with, because yep. that then costs me resources. Hosting every, fees, yeah. You know, we could have easily done this in a one, one position server in Singapore mm. or somewhere um, that would have been much cheaper for us. But you know, I've gone to great lengths to ensure that people's information, they can feel confident that their, their information is secure. Top privacy settings, um, everything is switched on. So, yeah, we're all good to go. I've put my information in yep. it. And, uh, so, so just, I know you mentioned loosely the exports. So say, for example, you have documented everything or everything there, you want to go to court. Mm -hmm. um, how do people, what format does that come out in a PDF format? Or everything compressed or how, how does... It is a PDF and, okay. and certain documents come out and they, can, they can download those documents separately as well. So if you've attached, made attachments, they come out as well with links to, yep. to download those. Um, but yeah, in a PDF form, you can basically take to your lawyer and say, okay, we're going to be going to court about settlement discussions. We can't come to an agreement or whatever it may be. Uh, these, this is all my evidence. And the lawyer will go, okay, awesome. We, we require that. We don't require that. You know, yep. so you can basically just hand that over to them. It can also be, um, so when you export, you have to put in a secure password to unlock the yep, download that, as yeah. well. So um, if you provide- You haven't thought about security, yeah. No, not at <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know how many different uh, security locks there are to get into the app to start with yeah. security words and passcodes and fingerprints. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> there's lots of things attached so that you're, you're feeling secure and safe in it. Um, but yeah, if you provide that, that password for the download to your lawyer, for example, they can unlock the file for you too. Okay, brilliant. So from a, from a I mean, I'm a nerd, right? So app would make sense to me, but coming from a, property development background, I guess. Yeah. Um, how, how did you even start, right? Because I know, once again, we spoke of Cameron Nerdswall, answer questions that you ask them, not the one that you actually need the answer yeah. to. 
Um, so how, how did that journey start? How, how, you know, how challenging was it? And, and, and just talk a bit about that. Yeah, look, coming up with an idea is one thing, isn't it? And uh, yeah, creating an action plan and then a final product is another story altogether. Uh, yeah, I was not, you know, I'm, I can work a computer, yeah. um, but I didn't have the tech background at all to, to really make this a reality without support. So um, I think from, from creating the idea and I shared it with a number of people that were going through similar things or had been through separation and divorce um, early years. Uh, and they all started saying like, Annie, this is an awesome idea. <laughs> like, do it, like create it. I'm, you know, people will use this. Um, so yeah, I, I was lucky that my brother, brother-in-law introduced me to a few people um, in the legal profession who introduced me to VC people, who introduced me to tech uh, entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, and I created this little group of mentors that really supported the journey. And, you know, I think I said to you before, like at the end of the day, like I, my, I was worried that I didn't know enough to create this. Um, that was my only hesitation. And after a while, I learned that I needed to know what questions to ask, not necessarily everything. So I spent my, my time researching um, what were the right questions to ask to advance this project. Um, yeah, and then just did a heap of research on offshore agencies of getting the app developed, onshore agencies, project managers who had, you know, stuff developed offshore and onshore, um, you know, picked a really awesome group um, to go with yep. and, and they spoke my language. Um, so that was one of the big keys for that. I didn't want a really techie person who had all these terms that I didn't understand. And I, you know, it's been an experience and a ride and I've learned so much along the way. Yeah. But that was, that was the biggest thing, knowing what to ask people. And how long did it take, you know, once you did engage to launch? I mean, what, what is your sort of... So, uh, yeah, it took me uh, two years to... Crazy, yeah. To, wow. to launch the business. Yeah. Uh, and then that was doing, then R&D started. Um, so, yeah, then R&D took probably a year. And then we had a product out. Wow. So that was good, just a, yeah, an MVP out, yeah. um, testing it in the Australian market. And then it's, yeah, gone through onto Google as well, as well as Apple and through the other markets. And when those first downloads started coming through and obviously, you know, looking at the traffic, looking, obviously not looking at people's data, but just seeing the adoption pick up, I mean, yeah. that, that must have been a pretty awesome ex sort of experience and feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I think taking a step back, like through the, the research, the R&D phase, because that was an expensive process for me. Um, and it is because when you don't know what you're doing, so to speak, and there's a lot of legalities tied up around this type of product. Like I had legal advice and you know everything I was paying probably top dollar for. Um, but so I decided that through the process, I would validate my idea, even though I had a few friends that said, this is an awesome idea, I needed to validate it. So I wrote an ebook um, about everything that I wish on, I knew on day one. Um, it covered many different aspects of the journey and uh, it, people can download that off the website. But uh, I put a few Facebook ads up with this ebook um, and within a couple of months, like three or 4,000 people had downloaded this ebook. Uh, and I was in the starting process of design and I'd given a spec to the designers to say, let's, uh, you know, maybe a 75, 80% slant to a feminine twist on the app. <laughs> <laughs> and soon I realized over 50% or nearly 50% yeah. of the people um, that downloaded the ebook were males. 
and they were just as much in need of advice and guidance and support as as females were. Um, so I quickly made a, a gender neutral change to the app design. It's a common um, trend in every yeah. conversation. I mean, I'll set you like Megan, who I did in the yeah. last podcast. She's like, oh, I need to write a book for women. Like all the guys are like, whoa. Yeah. We also need the same advice. So Absolutely. So, you know, there's multiple different colors that you can change the app screen to now to. Mine still runs in like- pink, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> Two I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's secure, right? You can't get in. Absolutely, no one will ever get in. <laughs> yeah. So, so the yeah, then the app down. So the app then launched. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was crazy. It was. And on the demographic perspective, while we're there, like, what what is what has that surprised you? Your age gap in terms of, I mean, because there is all that information by memory when I logged in. Uh, between like age and. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah probably. The big, the age range um, that's uh, people are logging in. We're probably probably between about thirty two and forty eight mm-hmm. is the typical age range. But people are anywhere from twenty five to probably I think nearly sixty um, uh, are using the app. So. And we spoke about the retirement villages with mm. divorces rife. Yeah. Well. We would have known. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, I think people in any position find themselves in this situation in life where. You know, maybe it's unexpected and they're feeling vulnerable. I mean, particularly even for that age bracket, even more so maybe than there was today um, in the age in sort of people around our age where we probably had a bit of an idea as to what's going on with our finances. And, you know, I know people that didn't even fill their car up with petrol. You know, their husband always did that. And they sort of found a position where they don't even know how to fill up their car, (laughs) let alone where the bank accounts are. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a scary situation. Yeah, that being, was our parents' generation, mm, definitely. Absolutely. You know, left in this vulnerable place. Um, and just the power of information is, does so much for people. Just, I want, I want to cover this point because I think it's quite important as well for, for vulnerability is just, you know, we were chatting about it as well. The domestic violence use case for this is mm. huge as well, just for the documentation. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship, just to, just to, they not only documented, but I think, as you said to me, the key point is so you can start picking up your own patterns. Yeah. So that, well, wait a second, a month I'm getting, you know, 20 mm. abusive texts or emails and there's something wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. I think being able to, to see the cycle of, of abuse um, and not just sitting there, you know, again, building evidence and stories in your head about what a victim you are. Um, you know, if, if it's documented, people are able to see. Um, what is going on and constructively make some, st- you know, take some steps to remove themselves from that situation faster and safer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really, really hope that this app can provide that for, for some people in those difficult situations. So now the app's out there, secure. Um, how did you go about promoting an app? Because I mean, I'm assuming it's a competitive market. I don't, I don't think there's anyone who really competes with what you do. No. But just getting it out, you know, obviously, advertising costs dollars mm. did you who, who did you reach out did you go into the community within the divorce space i'm sure attorneys don't generally like this because it's you know putting them out of their 650 an hour how did you sort of get the word out there to get the numbers that you do have today yeah well, it's funny you know i mean there's always going to be those attorneys and, and lawyers that don't um want to advocate for this type of mm. product but uh you know others tell me that you know documenting stuff and sorting things out to create an affidavit is the worst type of work ever and they would rather be you know have their time freed up to go and and work on um bigger cases as well 
Um, so, you know, there's a bit of both in that world. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, a lot of the growth, funny enough, has been organic. You know, search as well under divorce um, yep. on, on the App Store and Google Play. Uh, and, yeah, a lot, Merrick particularly, the organic growth there has been awesome. Um, here, the, you know, there have been some Facebook ads. There's been a bit of social media. Um, you know, I definitely have a strong following on my social media. Um, and, yeah, then, then there's groups, you know, in the community, um, you know, that, that are supporting other people through, even through lawyers, through other um, blogs, you know, bloggers and influencers that uh, are in this space supporting women and, and men. Or influencers sort of thing on Instagram, not mm. that they've taken the likes away. <laughs> I found likes on mine the other day. Did I don't you? know if How they many? brought them back. No, I don't know if they brought it back for no, business No, I think accounts. it was a counter. Yeah, I mm. know. Because that was the thing that you could see like 20,000 likes or whatever yeah. it was. Not that I have I don't know asked. if it's different. I'm sure that I saw it back the other day. Oh, so you? whether it's on business, not personal accounts. That um, if there's such a thing, is there? There is. No, there actually is. There yeah, I think is. there yeah, is. Yeah. So I, because um, I don't think I could see it on my personal account, but on my business account, I could see it. Okay. Yeah. I've just opened a personal account. Right. Clint.Forsley. No profile picture yet. So everyone thinks it's spam, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> 36 followers. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so just in terms of if, if, I guess, if people are, maybe struggling to come up with what this app is for mm. maybe like three four five use cases i know we have alluded to it, yeah where a typical work you know typical flow i know you 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 know i'll start off with number one you said in the beginning the asset yeah. split all your you know superannuation banks all the assets all the debts yep and that part of the app like walks you through the whole process yep. like um you know you've got to have tax returns for people you've got to have all of their employment details and you know you can log as many people into the process as you want. Yeah. Um, you know, you can put in your children and their situation, if they're earning money or um, your ex and keep a record of everything yeah. there. So yeah, that part definitely is one of the biggest things, being able to... And here's a question. So I understand obviously how the Australian divorce system works mm -hmm. um, from an asset and liability split. Yeah. From a US and UK market, I think UK common law should be similar, but from a US perspective, is it a different workflow or is it so pretty this, similar? This, this, the app, just so, yeah, so we're on the same page. Yeah. The app is basically just collecting your information and you could be collecting your spouse if you have access to those mm -hmm. documents as well. You just screenshot yep. or um, take a photo of, of the documents you have lying around the house and just upload them in. So other situations, like if you've had um, a phone conversation or a face-to-face -face conversation with an ex, um, you know, whether it be in the morning before the kids are running off to school or wherever it may be, you can log into the app and quickly, you know, note down that you've had a phone call conversation. You quickly add some text about what the conversation was about. He said this, she said that, this happened, that was a result. Um, log it immediately. So you are not adding anything yep. to the story in your head or missing out on things you should be documenting. And as you alluded to earlier, you created categories, right? So that could be through uh, custody and the one could be finances and the one could be something else. Correct. Or, you know, um, one party's agreed to pick the kids up from the park that afternoon and you arrive there and they arrive, you know, an hour late. So you log on, you quickly say, you know, such and such arrived yep. at, a, at an hour late to collect the kids. And you can actually tag that as well as a default. So um, they've, they've, they've committed to doing something, they haven't done it. So you've tagged it as a default and it will actually ask you, um, you can then filter a search by all the defaults. So if you go to the law and say, here are the number of times that things were promised and not fulfilled, yeah. 
um, that's also a valuable tool as well. And I'm looking at the camera here. I'm not an attorney, but I cannot stress the importance of having this information if you ever end up in court. Um, judges don't work on he said, she said, right? Mm. It's just factual. Mm. Um, so if you are having a child dispute and you know you you feel that your the kids will be safer in your care, that's mm. a kind of that's gold dust. Yeah. And, it, you know, it also prompts you to, like, leave out the emotive stuff. Yeah. You know, if I, I went to a lawyer with my you know, 24 folders of documents and uh, asked them to help me provide an affidavit, and it was going to be 450 an hour, three weeks' work. <laughs> and But they looked at my, my information like, we can't add this. Like, it's not about how you feel. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. what was the event that happened? Yeah. 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 It's like he doesn't see me. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, I know. So, yeah, so that's that, that's sort of an instance where mm. you can log defaults, um, where you can get your information down straight away. Um, you receive uh, correspondence from a lawyer, um, which adds up and adds up and adds up. Like, you know, I've printed everything out, like so bad for the environment. Mm. <laughs> um, so I, you know, then you would just save your PDF that you received in the email to your files app and you would just upload it, upload yeah. it straight away. Uh, and they're, they're saved and printed out. Mm. Brilliant. So from a from a people wanting to use the app uh, at the moment, I know there's a free and subscription model. Do you want to talk mm. around that a bit? Yeah, actually, we're just for as a special, we brought the, the subscription price down, but it is a freemium model. So you actually get to download and use the app for yep. free and test it out anyway. And a large percentage of the app is actually free. So um, the, the first part of the app, which is super valuable, being able to document your information, that part you can access and use all the time. Yeah. Um, the then the the second part of the app where you start uploading and documenting ongoing events and communication and evidence. Um, I think you get four down like four uploads, and then it's it's a uh, very super cheap after that. It's different price. I'm not going to say the price because it varies by different markets yeah. with the currency swap. Um, but we're down around in Australia, for example, around three dollars ninety nine a month. Nice. So less than a coffee. You've protected your family and your finances. <laughs> Um, and yeah, three yeah. three ninety nine divided by six fifty, mm. six hundred. Yeah, there's a couple of yeah. Yeah, or for an annual yeah. amount of thirty nine ninety nine. So it won't be at that price for very long. That's just a special at the moment. Code name Broco. Yeah, so that's that. Yeah. Um, um, I think one of the things, just backtracking as well, we talked about how we promoted the app. Mm. One thing that wraps around the app is the Hello Mojo magazine, which we launched, which we'll probably get on to talking about anyway, but um, that was another way that the app has been promoted yeah. globally. Uh, we, and I went to contributors around the world and said to them, you know, I want this experience to be really supported, positive, empowering for people, not the negative, fear-driven, this is gonna cost me so much money um, experience that I had. And uh, so, yeah, from health and lifestyle, health, health and wellness to um, lifestyle to um, mental health to um, legal advice to, I mean, just every area, counselling and life coaching and everything. So we, we sort of packaged that up into a magazine as a digital magazine. And then all the contributors also distributed that magazine out to their, their communities as well. So you've transitioned us to your magazine as yeah. the podcast host. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about your magazine. Yeah. Um, you've released one. 
which released just the first one at the um, moment. Second one's still it's stewing, the, so to speak. Is, yep. um, how was that? Let's let's start with putting a magazine together. It was awesome. We had uh, one of you know my favourite uh, move through divorce uh, role models, Reese Witherspoon, yep. who's come out as such an empowered woman and really used her experience to to drive her life. Reese. Yeah, I never knew that. So she was yeah. I'm not in touch with the female side of recovery. I need to work on that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And I'm a big fan of her her Big Little Lies um, project as well. So I think she's phenomenal and she is so inspiring and really used, yeah, her her experience to better herself in so many ways. Um, So, yeah, we've got a story on Reese Witherspoon in the magazine. Wow, brilliant. Um, You know, and I really love inspiring stories of women and men who have moved through the process. So, um, yeah, and then some other great um, contributors from – um, uh, Divorce Girl Smiling and from Divorce Force and Single Mums Blog in the US. Uh, so, yeah, cover a lot of different groups. And how do you distribute that, uh, a digital magazine? Is that just a PDF or are there different viewers that work? So, so how does that work? Yeah, Hello Mojo Magazine has its own website. Okay. Um, and on that website, it's like a portal for all things divorce, a bit like a Huffington Post for divorce. So it uh, has articles which are curated from other contributors mm-hmm. and it will send you through to their websites and it also hosts the magazine on that, oh, wow. that website. So hellomojomagazine.com. And when did you launch that? Uh, in uh, March. And what's your, I mean, what's uh, what's the uptake of that been like? Good. We've got, yeah, it's a steady stream of people. I think yep. initially you get a big hit of people when it originally comes out and we're sort of working towards issue two now. So that's... Uh, starting to trail off, but it's always a great resource for people that are going through the process. So um, through the Hello Mojo app, people are still directed back to their... Brilliant. Yeah, it's just a, a nice thing that wraps, you wraps know, the, the wraps. app in a really great community of people and gives people that positive support that they need. So before we... will have to put bro code in there. Well, you apps... <laughs> I'm offended that it's not. <laughs> we didn't know each other back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the app at the moment, we're, we're always looking for user feedback on it. Um, we're you know, updating and upgrading things as, as we move through the process. I think my grand plan is to have it totally automated so that you would you would go in and be able to press a retrieve button and it would suck in, you know, your information from all different applications, from your mail, your text message, your phone logs um, into the app and you can just tick off which ones you want and which you don't. Um, yeah, getting past the Apple framework at the moment to make that possible is a little tricky but um, that is the grand plan to be able to have it very automated and a nerd question um with obviously outsourcing developers how often you know obviously you you're planning updates and bug fixtures mm-hmm. so how often did that come out as part of apple's sort of release so you know how often do you enhance the the app uh at the moment as and when it was required okay um we've just done an update uh and i would say yeah probably every Every month we are oh, wow. definitely looking at it, mm. if it needs to be done or not. Um, but mostly if there's just an upgrade required, we'll, we'll put that put out. Put that through. Yeah, but we, I have my developers oversee it um, Yeah, every every single month. We've got that. And I'm, I've got a number of checks that I run every single day um, to make sure that every function is working properly. I, I need to chat to you about outsourcing, but carry on. Um, Please do. <laughs> Good people for that. Good. Good. Um, yeah, absolutely. we absolutely should actually. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, so the, the grand plan really around the app is to have it um, yeah, totally automated for people. And then I think the Hello Mojo brand, it lends itself to many more ventures moving through um, into the future. Uh, you know, I've, I've always thought that it would 
the business would move with my life. So yeah. the app stage would sort of be running itself. Um, and then Hello Mojo Dating would launch and then Hello Mojo New Life would launch and there would be life coaches and yes. I mean, so, so many things. Can Hello Mojo Dating be the opposite of Tinder? Please. Absolutely. Not that I'm on Tinder, but I'm just saying. Feedback I've heard from people. I'm asking for a friend. Right. Uh, <laughs> got that, got that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned recording phone messages as well. Yeah, what, so what? the function is actually there, ready yeah. to turn on. Um, and there's just uh, technology is always changing uh, and things are becoming cheaper and mm. better in terms of the way they can work. Um, it just wasn't viable financially for the way the phone call situation was set up. From a data storage perspective? Um, it was, you've got to use a third party to record the information. Um, and it was purely a fact of the way that Apple charges and pays through the app. Um, you know, it's a long time after the month that the, the commission is paid to them. Yeah. Um, and this company would want upfront payment of time data usage. And it just, it didn't correlate. Okay. Um, so we're looking more into the Apple Pay and the Google Pay, um, which are immediate. Yeah. Um, functions now so so that's been converted but we're still probably a couple of months off that that launching okay brilliant so we will put links in the show notes to both the play store and 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 apple so people can find the app and get it on their yeah. phone you when we spoke about the magazine yes you spoke about the magazine you mentioned health well you know the the, the yeah the, the good stuff right which is which is important and 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 like to finish on a positive note, I guess. Mm. Um, through your own personal journey, obviously sitting here on the couch in a very yeah. happy Zen space, um, it's not like that for all of us. It's no. a bumpy road and it's a hard journey. And I keep saying that, you know, I still have shitty days every now and again, mm. but it's all part of it. Um, just looking back in hindsight, what are the, the top three things for you that helped you? You obviously ended up in a predicament you never saw yourself in, mm. you know, as a single mom. Uh, what are the three bits of advice you can give someone in a similar position that were your sort of, I guess, the rocks that got you through? Mm. Yeah, gosh, you, you're lucky. <laughs> you're lucky you've met me now because, like, cr seriously, like crying used to be my conversation starter. <laughs> That's the way it was. But yeah, look, it's been it's been a road. And I, I said to you earlier, like it, it's such a gift. This experience, I know, for people, some of the people watching this, it they will not be thinking that right at the moment. I definitely did not think that at the start of this process, maybe for quite a few years, actually. But, you you know, once you're able to take a step back um, and look at that self-care side of the, the process and realise that if you don't have that space in your head, you can't possibly think about what is the very next step you need to take. Um, but, yeah, I... I guess the first thing that I really looked at, because I my health started to fail. Um, I was so stressed. I was so tired. Um, oh, I, those I, adrenal glands. Yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. Like you can't go to. It's it's the voices in your head at night that you can't get rid of. That you know, re replaying so many things through your head. Um, so I was tired. My health was failing. Um, I was not being the mother that I wanted to be to my little kids. Um, so I really focused on my nutrition and getting that sorted. And that, honestly, that was the turning point for so much in my life. Um, going, you know, doing a certain program and getting my, my fitness and my health back and mm. on track. 
you know, it changed my sleep patterns. So what did you do at that time? Uh, I did a program. Do you want me to advertise it on here? Yeah, of course. Yeah, called Wild Fit, which um, was sort of taking you back to the primitive way Mm. we used to eat. So Um, paleolithic kind of way of uh, eating, yeah? I guess, yeah, based on a paleo type of diet. Um, And Sorry, Aussie company or? It's No, it's a Canadian guy. Okay. Yeah, Canadian guy. And he um, basically takes you through the conversations you have in your head around food. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not the regular type of diet where these are the rules and you start from day one, I think for the first two weeks. And it's sort of a surprise thing. Every week they tell you what needs to be done. Um, so yeah, for the first two weeks, it was like, right, what you need to do this week is add in everything that you don't ever think you should eat, like your chocolate and like just add it in. And then they start educating you and asking you to think about how you're processing the thoughts around that before, during, mm-hmm. and after you've eaten those types of foods. By the end of two weeks, like if you've been eating chocolate and all those bad things that you do. You feel so shit. You sort of, oh, you feel so bad. Yeah. And then you're thinking, why am I actually eating this? And I mean, there are so many reasons to be hungry. Yeah. Uh, hydration is one of the biggest ones. Um, oh man, with my kids, I'm hungry. Yeah. Like have a glass of water. Are you hungry? No. Well, so many, the processed foods these days are so dehydrated and, you know, back in the caveman era, you know, when you'd eat a juicy piece of fruit, it was actually full of high, good hydration. So, um, yeah, drinking water, getting sleep, you know, their part big, was a big part of it too. So, yeah, I won't go on too much about it, but... Um, and how yeah. long was that? Was that a 90-day program? It was 90 days, okay. but it was really... I think the biggest thing about it, which you'd probably agree, is the word diet actually means, like, way of life. Yeah. It doesn't mean a short-term answer to a, you know, little problem um, in terms of, you know, just go on this for a minute and... Yeah, you'll you'll look. It's actually changing your your mindset and your life, um, in that in that framework. So. Yeah, my, I mean, my philosophy and what I've tried to do with with my course is what's sustainable, mm. because you see a lot of guys and girls, you know, they get divorced and then they run an Iron Man or you know mm. they do something extreme yeah. just to run away from the pain and then they lose thirty kilograms and then they put it all back on because it's a yeah. it's not a sustainable fix. It's like mm. this, you know, short sharp drastic yeah. thing but they haven't changed how they think of about course the not right because they're just running and, away from the pain and of, of course emotion is one of the biggest triggers for eating <laughs> and drinking mm. uh, so <laughs> we went well neither of us should talk about that but uh, <laughs> you know what mine was mine was eating chocolate magnums the ice creams yeah every yeah. night i would need a chocolate magnum and that would settle me but then the next night i'd need to like it was this <laughs> downward spiral and yeah. that that leads to a huge health issues yeah. so um, so after those 90 days, just it was just clarity? Yeah, I think you then slot back into how um, things that work for you, but with but you're being conscious, conscious about the way you choose mm. your foods. Um, you know, it also te- teaches about eating in seasons and, and, and how that works. And, you know, we, when, when you're leading up to a winter, um, you know, you do eat fattier foods and sugary foods and you put on a bit of weight. You're supposed to. Yeah. Um, and then come spring, you get into your leafy greens and your, you know, salads, and you, sh- you shed the weight because you're going to start chasing wild animals again and collecting berries, you know, in that sort of way. But um, you know, eating in seasons, and that, so you're pretty much in that spring eating mode for those 90 days, and then you can you can you know work back into a, a format that works for you. Brilliant. Okay, that's yeah. number one. Number two. Number two. Uh, I think mindset was a big one. So yeah, I, d- I did a like a recovery course mm-hmm. at the time. Yours wasn't around, so 
Um, I'm looking forward to. I was probably drinking too much at the time. But carry on. <laughs> I was in. I was in the closest bar. Yeah, but yeah. you know, you, you don't know what you don't know, yeah. and uh, you know, I was very much in that victim mentality. I was blaming the end event of what happened in my relationship, and I couldn't see past that at all. Um, so yeah, doing doing a course, you know, like the bro code one that's coming out, is I think it's just awesome for shifting your mindset and allowing you to look at a situation from a different point of view um did you get into the you know through that the mindfulness stuff like the tolly and all the other people who focus on the mindful the art of mindfulness and or or not necessarily not so much it was more just having um exercises and activities to to help you shift your mindset Mm. and and get with practical ways you know um you know i'll give you an example with my um with my particular relationship, you know, I said my my focus was very much on the end event of uh, the relationship breakdown, um, but I had to write my entire relationship history down as one of the exercises and read it and read it and read it. And look, this was like 16,000 words. It was like a Mills and Boons. <laughs> War and much, Peace. Yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty much yeah. a combination of those two. <laughs> but through reading it, um, you know, I, I was in baby bliss. I, I really didn't think I'd contributed to the breakup of our relationship at all. Um, but rereading and rereading the story from when we met, you know, I, I like many people, have a list of what must, my husband must have. Um, and I'd started ticking off these things as I met him and I'd, I'd write, you know, like he grew up in a, the same city that I did, which was up. Oh, excellent you know that it was going to have the same background the same family history um you know we could relate on so many things of course he was from australia and we, were, we met in asia so that was a big plus um yeah and after about three or four of these um after i ticked off quite a few of them i just immediately started calling him my dream guy how many was on your list mm, probably 15. okay so not too many <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> That's not a lot. Fifty? No, no. Fifteen's you some. <laughs> so anyway, I had I, I ticked him off as my dream guy, yeah. and after a while, um, you know, certain things would happen. I'm going to use like bringing IKEA furniture home as one example, and you know, I'm I'm from a family that's quite practical, mm-hmm. and we you know do things like that. Um, he couldn't do that. And I was just floored. And that fully was on one of my must-have lists. Like, must be able to go out and build my children a treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's I, I'm not your guy. No, no. Yeah. So no. That, <laughs> oh, Oof. my goodness. So I'm from Africa. We outsource that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's our problem. Our upbringing is we can't do anything. Fishing? Yes. Okay, we go, there we go. Yeah, we can go fishing. <laughs> so we, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't feel that I'd, like, given him any of these looks, like, when those sorts of things would happen. But I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, I've been making this poor guy live up to these false expectations and I must have been making him feel like... Inadequate, I assume. Absolutely yeah. inadequate. And, you know, maybe, um, yeah, not disrespected, but, you know, like under definitely underappreciated. Mm. Um, so it just suddenly dawned on me, like, could you imagine living with someone that was like treating you like you're inadequate? I didn't feel like I was. But yeah, there we go. So I suddenly, I, I said to him, like, I've just done this work with my, on myself mm-hmm. and I've realized that, you know, I created this whole expectation around what you could do 
and it wasn't true. And I'm just so sorry if that was the case. And he said, look, I never felt like you, but you know, so, so leave it at that. But at least I owned up to that and I took responsibility because I felt like if I'd been in a relationship where that, that had been the other way around, then yeah, there might've been other ways of feeling appreciated. And, and, and that, I guess, I wouldn't say owning up to it or acceptance was, was that just, okay, I actually did have a part to play in the story and get, got you out of that victim role. Oh, absolutely. You know, whether I said something to him or not, but Mm. you know, obviously he'd known that a lot of my blame was on him and you know, we've got children together. Mm. We need to have a relationship for the rest of our lives while we've got children. Um, and yeah, it just gave me so much power back being able to take responsibility for, you know, just take responsibility. Yeah, that victim role is dangerous. And I mean, I, mm. I've i got two chapters in my course on the victim role. Mm. I mean, I, I said to you, you know, I almost lost a decade of my life mm. sitting as the victim. Mm. Um, you know, my whole 30s, I was, you know, poor Clint. Yeah. And, and you can't get that time back. And if you don't, as you said, you know, understand that you are part of that, you know, they take two people in a relationship. Yeah. Um, you can lose lots of lots of time. I mean, some people will sit in victim roles to the day they die. Yeah. And, and it, never, it is never, that, never move on. It is that story, isn't it? That like, it's, it's not actually what happened at the end of the day. The story is everything, you know, it's our lenses on of how we see a situation. It's, it's so much, but you know, at the end of the day, like we own the story, we can mm. make the story whatever we want, you know, why not make it a positive, turn it to the positive we can. But, you know, the story does not own us. And that's where you sit in the victim mode yeah. for ages. So I'm, sorry, I'm laughing over a good friend. He says there's uh, three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth, somewhere yeah. in between. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, there was a great um, example that uh, I learned at a course I did years ago. And it was, you know, they, they gave this example of a box sitting in the middle of a room and it had four windows on it. And there was a mobile phone standing upright in the middle of the box um, and four people around the box. And each person had to look in a window and tell us what they were thinking or what they saw. And this person looked in and said, you know, I see a thin metal strip. And this person looked in and said, I see a black mobile phone. And this person looked in and said, I see, I, I see a long rectangle. And the other person looked in and said, I see a white cover, you know, or something. And it, it just proved the point that there's one event and four right answers, you know, and it's not sometimes about being right or trying to make the other person wrong. It's just about appreciating that they have seen it from a totally different vantage point. And, you know, I spent so much of my time trying to make him see my point of view, Yeah. but actually he's sitting from a totally different perspective, perspective, perspective. <laughs> and, you know, he's never going to see in the window that I saw it in. But that's, I can't remember, I read a book about, about how the brain processes that years ago, about the lens mm. that we're filming, that you and I are sitting here having this conversation mm. right now. I'm seeing one form, you seeing a completely different yeah. form, but we're having the same conversation. Yeah. Uh, and, and how you, your brain stores that and processes it. And, and especially if you've done negative things to people, mm. your brain softens the bad things that you've done because it obviously is always trying to protect you. Yeah. It was actually a fascinating book to read how, because mm. I was always under how can people be so sh- yeah. so shitty, but then not see themselves through that lens. Yeah. But it's just the way you store and you see that movie. Yeah. So, I mean, like so many different areas that, um, mm. you know, we and we're long story, isn't it? Over mm. what are the three things in my healing process? Yeah. But yeah, definitely the nutrition side of things, definitely the changing my mindset. Number three. Through doing a course. Yeah. 
And the, the third thing would definitely be my journey as a parent um, and being up, do it, you know, focusing on the kids and learning better ways to do things. And, you know, there is a lot of things that we have to deal with as a single parent that you don't necessarily have to deal with as, you know, as a married couple. Um, yeah, and it's growing in that role as a parent uh, through this process has been massive. So I, so just a thought for me, like I, I think I overparented as a single parent in the beginning because I was so, I, like I never wanted my kids to be in a broken home, right? Mm. And I got to a stage where I was just doing everything for them. Mm. I mean, I still sit you, I've, you know, it's been over three years. I'm, I've just literally when the month started putting them in the bus yeah. in the morning, which frees up my whole morning, but yeah. I never used, I used to just drive yeah, they, around. They call, they call it um, guilt parenting. It could be, yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that goes. So you might be over the top, um, you know, with things. So you might be uh, doing everything for them. Um, because of that, that sense of guilt of like, oh, I put you in this horrible situation, um, that you might be totally the opposite and be super strict. Um, you know, you might be buying them everything and anything that they want, you know, at the point in time yeah. to sort of ease your guilt around things. Disneyland does. So, yeah, so <laughs> don't feel bad about that, but it's a big, it's awareness. Mm. A lot of it is becoming aware that that's what you're doing and then finding a way to get through it. But, that, that you know, that, that story thing goes for kids of divorce as well, like, I'm quite big with my kids about, you know, you know, they've, they've got two loving homes and they're lucky kids. Like not many people get two loving homes, you know, that's awesome. And, uh, but, but also, you know, of course a lot of people do, but yeah. you know, they're, they're lucky in that, that, that that's the situation. I'm just laughing at my kids cause yeah, I'm bored. I'm like, you live on a beach, yeah. I'm bored. There's nothing to do, Ugh, go, you know, they're just, yeah. I'm always, but I think every parent's like, you know, has the same woe whether they separated or not. When I was a kid, there were no mobile phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of things, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that story, you know, this they own their story as well. Mm. You know, they've got the responsibility to own their story. And they, they can't just sit there and be depressed because, yep. you know, oh, my mummy and daddy don't live together anymore. Like, there are some they've got awesome positives about their life. And, uh, yeah, they definitely can run their story the way they want it. So I'm, you know, quite quite big on that with my kids too. Brilliant. So let's wrap things up. Yes. Um, hello, Mojo. Um, dating. Uh, what, what's what's? I guess put a bow on hello, Mojo for you. What your aspirations are? Your and and then just maybe some final bit of advice to people who are in this uh, in this predicament. Yeah. Look. Um, gosh, for me, the yeah, the joy of being able to support people and. Um, give them power and empower them around the start of this process. Um, as I said, you know, information is everything and feeling like you've got a framework to be able to process that, inf process that information at a time where you're super vulnerable um, and feeling afraid of the unknown. Um, yeah, if, if, if that can help people, I, that made, has made my day. Um, and yeah, I think if, People can just have in the back of their mind that going through this process, it is a gift. You know, I am such a different person. I am so much more myself having gone through this and um, spent the time to get to really know me. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, a total gift. I, I don't know what else to explain it behind, but um, it's hard work. And I think allowing yourself that opportunity to 
have the time to spend with yourself. Like there's not many times in your life where you get that opportunity. Um, and this is definitely one of it. Um, but having some tools to make the process easier, creating a really great tribe of people. Um, and yeah, and having something like Hello Mojo to be able to document everything and get it stored and out of the way and move on with your life is, um, yeah, I hope it's gonna help a lot of people. Brilliant. I mean, I can, one of my taglines on my website is we are the lucky ones. You know, yes, you go through a lot of pain, but you still have your health. You know, you haven't yeah. lost a kid. You haven't gone through that trauma. It's mm. it's brutal, but it does give you, if you do take that opportunity mm. um, to evolve into someone that you thought you never could be. Mm. From a social perspective, where can people track you down? We've got hellomojomagazine.com. Yeah, Hello Mojo Mo- Magazine. That's the magazine. Yeah. Hellomojo.com is for the app. Yep. You can find the app on the App Store on Google Play. Facebook, um, Insta. Facebook, Instagram, Hello Mojo app. Um, yeah, so that's... We'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Annie, thank you so much for coming oh, down the hill so to the beach. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Anytime. We'll and go kite surfing another time. <laughs> oh, the wind, the wind is... Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking out the window, the wind's blowing, so I'll probably a go gale. for a car after. You, okay. might, you might end up in Noosa today. <laughs> I'll be fine. Thanks so much, Annie. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me.